everybody, and welcome to Trans Sister Radio, a story that's fire podcast that's broadcasting everything trans. I'm your trans sister, Athena. And I'm trans sister, Erin. So today, we are talking about a fun topic, which is we are sharing some of our coming out stories. Um, I think both Erin and I probably have way more than one, because we've come out to a lot of people at this point. Um, we'll also kind of talk about some of the different methods we used uh, and some of the strategies so we can um, maybe discuss like tactics that worked for us, um, tactics that didn't, things that might be a good idea, things that are a bad idea, because um, I know I have several that were a bad idea. Um, eh, maybe just one that was a bad idea and it was kind of not my idea, but that's foreshadowing. So uh, that's our topic for today. What do you think, Erin? Yeah, um, so with my situation, I've actually been slowly coming out over and over again since I kind of came into myself. And so uh, I've had a lot of different ways with lots of different people of trying to come out. Some of them have been very simple. Some of them have been uh, face-to-face. Some of them have not been face-to-face. Um, and I've had the same, uh, the same action get two different reactions from different people. So it's going to be a very hit or miss. Honestly, at this point, it's pretty much a crapshoot about how people are going to react to coming out and all that. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's how I got to the point. I actually think most of mine, the reactions went very well. Um, I was surprised. I didn't... I got very lucky and didn't really lose anyone during transition, um, except for one person who really needed to go. Um... <laughs> So, for the most part, um, most of mine are success stories, even if they may not have been the best success stories, and I recognize in hindsight there are some ways I could have done it better. Um, But either way, we can go ahead and hop into that. Um, Aaron, do you have one you want to start with? Yeah, um, I guess I can get started with my very first one. Um, It's a good place to start. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so the very first night that I kind of accepted that at the, at the very least I was questioning. Um, I, I didn't know what was my specific thing. Initially when I came out, I think I've said this before, I thought I was non-binary. Um, but even with that talk, I had to sit down with some people that, uh, one of my partners that I uh, was living with at the time, I, uh, sat down with them and said, Hey, so, I've been doing a lot of research and asking myself questions and trying a few things that I'm not really sure of. And uh, I don't remember exactly what was said, but I basically let them know that I was at the very least like genderqueer uh, questioning or fluid or something. I, I didn't specifically know, but that I told them that I wanted to go ahead and find a gender therapist uh, to help me figure this stuff out. Uh, because I, I knew that I wasn't 100% okay presenting as male. And that was enough for me to go like, hey, this is happening. And their response was very, very nice. Um, it was probably the most scary conversation I ever had, because I'd never come out to anybody for anything, forever. So... (laughs) Yeah. Um, they said, it's okay. I love you. I'm with you for you. I don't really care how things are going to present. Um, let's just work through this together. And it was a really great experience. And my second time coming out was literally like two minutes after that. Um, and it was with one of my best friends, absolute best friends, who um, is probably by the time this episode's going up, they are in prep for their own wedding in like two weeks, which is awesome, which I get to be a bridesmaid in. Hey. 
Yay, that's so awesome. Take Expensive that. dress. I'm going to find ways to wear that dress more than once, I swear. But Yeah, you got to. Like, and you spend that much on a dress, you can't just let it sit in the closet. Unless it's your actual wedding dress, because then there's nowhere else to use that. Yeah, I just hate buying one-time-use clothing. That drives me absolutely insane. But Agreed. Uh, with her, what I did was I... We, we don't really call, not unless it's, like, bad, bad news. Like, then we will call. And even with, like, really good news, we text or have some meetup or say, hey, can we come hang out? Well, they live a few towns away. They're going to be moving even farther away. Um, so I didn't know where they were, first off. <laughs> and I don't know what their work hours were. So I texted them because uh, it was still around that time where they might be on hours, they might not. Um, but I, I have a tendency to send very, very long text messages anyway. They will break up into three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, depending on the conversation. That's just something that's common with the girls in my family. I don't know why. Um, but I, I, I wrote this like five text long message, uh, explaining everything, starting with, Hey, um, I, I kind of figured out what's going on with my depression, I think. I've been asking this question, this one. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be transitioning or maybe transitioning or maybe not because I didn't know at the time. But I'm not sure what's going on right now. But here's what I do know. And I'm sorry to say it in a text, but I don't know when you work or whatever. Or And that was how it is. And I get a text like three minutes later going, love you anyway. Do you have a new name? <laughs> and I was like, That's awesome. Not yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I had two very good positive uh, experiences for my first like day of coming out. And then I didn't come out to anybody for like another month and a half. Uh, <laughs> but that was a good kind of walking the waters, even when I didn't know what was going on. Um, to get that kind of positive reaction is such an important aspect. If I had like a huge amount of negativity, like some people unfortunately see... I don't know if I'd still be in here, uh, standing here or sitting here, I suppose, uh, today, just because I was not in a good headspace. Like I said, I was depressed. I was suicidal. I was seeing multiple therapists and all lots of medication. Uh, but when this thing kind of clicked, it was like, oh, that might be it. And so it was like this whole new, <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like this, but literally a whole new world opened up where I could actually feel comfortable and terrified at the same time. So <laughs> that was kind of my, my first experience coming out. What about you, Athena? Anything to add or so, any, any questions or your story? Um, well, not questions, but um, methods specifically. So obviously there's the face-to-face -face talk that you used, um, which I've used a lot. That's probably my most common. Texting. I don't know if I've ever texted anyone. Hey, I'm trans. Actually, no, there is. I did text. It wasn't a text. It was technically a group message because it was through Discord. Um, I'll tell that one later. Um, but did you text anyone else? Was that the only one you texted? Oh, no, I have texted tons of people since. And it's strictly because okay. a lot of the people that I'm close to are not physically close anymore. Uh, they're not yeah. available. Like one of my friends who I just came out to very recently is moving 3,000 miles away. Like... <laughs> Um, yeah, and at yeah. the time when I texted them, they were 3,000 miles away. Um, yeah. So I use that method quite a lot with some mixed results. And I, I've, I've done face-to-face -face texting. I've done letters. And uh, I think the only one I haven't actually tried is a f uh, phone call. I think that's one that I'm too scared to actually try because it's just too awkward. <laughs> Have I done a phone call? 
I don't like talking on the phone anyway, so. I hate talking on the phone. I would rather do almost anything than talk on the I phone. I also hate robocalls. I got one today, and there was like, is Adam here? I was like, no. Then maybe you can help me. I'm running for it. Click. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it was some city I've never been too. in, some county I can't vote in. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I guess um, texting... Like I should, we should keep in mind these strategies. Like we'll see if we remember to come back to this, but I think we should, we should like, after we're done telling our stories, come back to all the strategy we used yeah. and which is our favorite. Um, okay. So my first coming out story. Um, so for me, like technically my first time coming out was like a long process. Um, and I don't count this. Uh, my first coming out talk was actually with my parents. Um, I technically came out to my ex at the time, uh, she was, uh, she's my ex now. She was my fiance at the time. Um, but like, I didn't come out to her. I told her I'd had these feelings in the past. I don't think these feelings are going to pop up, but maybe they are. I'm kind of having them. And then she was like, you should go see a therapist. And I was like, okay, I'll go see a therapist. And then two weeks later, it was like, you were right. I should have seen a therapist. This is a thing. So it was like, she sent me to a therapist cause I wasn't willing to go. Cause like, I didn't think I needed one. Um, so that wasn't really coming out cause it's not to me anyways, cause it wasn't a coming out conversation. It was more of a confirmation. It was like, you suspected this. So you told me to go see a therapist. I saw a therapist. Your suspicions were correct. Right. Yeah. It was that kind of conversation. So I don't really qualify that, especially because it happened over two months or like a month. I think it wasn't really like a single conversation. Um, I don't even remember really what the results were. Um, the first real conversation was actually with my parents. Um, it was a face-to-face conversation. And honestly, like, I wanted to wait to have this conversation. I did not want to have it as early as I did. Um, because I started seeing a therapist um, in November. And I had this conversation with my parents, like, third week of December. Which was way sooner than I wanted to have that conversation. It's like, I only knew I was trans for a month and three weeks and i was like hey mom and dad i'm trans whoa <laughs> so <laughs> what? It's, just, it's so funny to me because i don't know i'm i'm very impatient i guess i, I prefer the term proactive but impatient is probably the better one you're like oh it's december and i'm like oh yeah uh it's only been like what'd you say a month a month and three a weeks, and three weeks. I, I came out to my parent or well, I guess the one parent that's in my life, I came out to them, like, a month and a half after I figured out. No, like, actually, uh, the like, a month or so after I confirmed that I was trans and not just, like, uh, non-binary or gender fluid, like, when I knew it was me, it was, like, around, I don't know, Christmas. I came out to them, like, two weeks later after that. <laughs> so. Mm, yeah. So, well, so for me, there's a lot of reasons why I didn't have this conversation, like why I didn't want to have this conversation at that time. First off, at that point, for me, like I should have known, I should have figured out way, way, way faster that I was trans. There were a lot of signs that I didn't realize until I looked back on my history. But then even after in therapy being like, I think I'm trans, it took me probably... 
it it took me over eight months from the time I started therapy. And my therapist was like, as soon as you want hormones, you can have them. Literally, like, first session, she was like, if you are trans and you want hormones, you can have them, you can ask. So, like, I had them available to me literally first session. And it still took me eight months to do it. Because I am a paranoid person, and I had to be 100% positive. And... There's, I'll get into other factors in a second as to why I delayed and why I used the method I used when I had the conversation with my parents. Um, but I literally, like, it took me, um, it took me a long time to accept I am trans. In fact, I remember distinctly, um, probably like January or February, there was a conversation I had with my therapist where at the end I, I got up to leave and I like started crying because I was like, do you think I'm trans? Cause I don't know. Um, and this was, this was four months into the, into the process of trying to figure out if I was trans or not. Um, for a while during therapy, I thought I might be gender fluid. Um, there was a lot of things that went into thinking that, um, ultimately, obviously that didn't, that wasn't the case. I'm a hundred percent trans woman or I guess woman who is trans cause transition is over, but whatever <laughs> point is, um, like, for a long time, I wasn't sure. And so having the conversation with my parents, hey, I might be trans, that's not the conversation I wanted to have. If I was going to have a conversation with them, I wanted it to be, hey, I'm trans. Right. Um, I think that's fair. And, that's a fair, the, like, prerequisite to have for that conversation, to actually yeah, know like, you're I trans want to be before sure. you come out as trans. Yeah, like, I was like, I wanted to be sure. But there's a problem, which is my parents have a disgustingly terrible... It, uh, insurance plan. So, um, my dad runs his own business. And, um, so he has like the cheapest plan that his business offers. Cause he doesn't want to have to pay any more than he already does for insurance because he makes quite a bit of money from his business. He's fairly well off. Um, and because of that, he can afford to spend extra money on medicine. I can't, but he can't. Um, so our deductible is insane. We have a $6,000 deductible per person. Me too. Uh, with a, <laughs> yeah so but like so what that meant was uh we had met our deductible because my mom had had i think it was hip replacement surgery uh either hip replacement or knee one of the whatever she had a joint replacement surgery i'm pretty sure it was hip that one of those things you know (laughs) she's had she's had like three joint replacement surgeries so forgive me for not remembering which one this was (laughs) Yeah, I, she I, she has really bad arthritis. Um, anyway, so she'd had this in the summer. So we'd had basically, like, free everything for the past six months, which included therapy. My therapy was 100% free because we'd hit our maximum out of pocket, which, fun fact, I hit because of SRS. So that was nice. My asthma medicine went from $450 to $30. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Only for six months, but this is going to be a glorious six months. Um, So anyway, um, I had realized at this point that um, I needed to have this conversation, not because I was ready to have it, but because my family, all of a sudden my insurance costs or my my therapy costs were going to go from zero dollars to a hundred dollars. And at the time I'm still in college. I don't have a job. I don't have a monthly income. There's no way I can pay a hundred dollars a month, but there's no ways or actually at that point it was $100 every two weeks, there is no way I can afford $200 a month when I have literally zero income. Um, So that was why I had the conversation. It wasn't motivated by wanting to have it or 
being ready to have it. It was motivated by needing the money and needing the help. So when I went in to have this conversation, I recognized, like, I don't think I'm ready to have this conversation. And even if I were, I'm a paranoid worrier person. Um, I expect the worst and don't think I'm going to get disappointed, even though my brain has been disappointed multiple times. Or, like, it's not disappointed. You expect the worst and then hope, for, like, whatever. I usually get a better result than my brain expects, but my brain is still like, it's going to happen. Like, you're going to drive, like, like get in the car and my brain is like, you're going to die today because you're driving. And my brain, I get safely and my brain is like, well, next time you get in the car, you're going to die because you're driving. Oh my so my brain is that kind of worrier. Not to that extreme. Like, I don't worry about dying in the car. But, like, if something can go bad, my brain expects it mm -hmm. to go bad. And so going into the conversation I had with my parents, I was 100% expecting to get kicked out. Like, maybe not 100% expecting, maybe more like 80% expecting. But, like, I'd read so many horror stories of parents reacting poorly, especially Christian parents. Um, and just in general, I was like, I think this is going to go poorly. Uh, it could go poorly. Um, they had had a hard time handling uh, my brother being gay, um, which ultimately, like, they've come around on. They figured it out. Um, they're both, like, like, regardless of how hard it was when my brother came out as gay and when I came out as trans, um, they have since become super amazing, incredible parents who have helped with a ton of stuff. They're super wonderful. They provide a metric butt ton of support. There's, I still live with them. So obviously they provide a lot of support. They help pay for my SRS. So there's a lot of stuff that they do that is awesome. So they did react not the greatest, but, um, they're super great now. Don't think poorly of them, despite the stories I'm about to tell. Um, so during the conversation, um, going into it, I was worried I was going to potentially get kicked out and lose my home. So I brought my fiance with me when I had the conversation because my thought process was I need an ally who's going to be with me to have this conversation to back me up. Um, and on top of that, I need to make sure that um, if I do get kicked out, I have someone who can help me grab my stuff. So... That was my thought process going into the conversation. Ultimately, it ended up going much better than my brain expected because my br things almost always do. Uh, my parents um, were upset by it. In fact, their words were, this is the worst news any of our p children have ever told us, which to me seemed kind of weird. Like, I can understand it being worse than being gay, like, from their perspective. <laughs> but I don't quote-unquote worse right. like this is their words this is not mine like i can understand from their perspective why they might think being trans is worse than being gay kind of like it's still dumb logic but it's logic um but it did surprise me that they thought it was worse than an unexpected pregnancy which is what my sister had that is a little that <laughs> one was i was like i think that one's worse but <laughs> anyway um so yeah, the conversation just in general, like, that particular conversation didn't go well. Um, it, I mean, it went better than I expected, but, like, um, they were still very upset. Um, they are pretty traditional parents. They've become really supportive, but especially because I had the conversation at a point. I think, like, their reaction would have been different if I had the conversation six months later when I was, like, I am 100% positive. Um, because this was, like, I might be, and I need your help going to therapy to figure it out. So, like, I kind of set them up with the expectation that this may not come to pass. This might be nothing. Um, it also, like... 
resulted in them asking me to seek another therapist. They were like, we think your therapist is brainwashing you, which... I got that, too. Yeah, I hated that conversation. Um, so, that, but, so my technique there was, I think, helpful in the end. Having someone with me meant that, um, like, I don't think my fiancé said much, but um, I did have someone. It made me feel more confident because I was like, I know this person supports me, or I thought they did. They ultimately ended up not, but I thought at the time they did. Um, it changed the conversation and made it like, she supports me. She helped me figure this out. I still want to keep figuring this out. Um, I don't remember everything that was said in that conversation. It was definitely not the best first coming out conversation I could have had. Um, but in the end, it worked out. So um, it was a face-to-face -face conversation with a friend. And I think that was the right way to do it at the time. Even if that person ended up being a horrible, disgusting human being. But that's a story for another time. Um, Tell so us that how was, you really feel. <laughs> oh, you don't want to know how I really you like <laughs> I don't I don't I don't really want to talk about how I really feel in a podcast. Um, anyway, and that's not. By the way, I should say like that's very cryptic. That is not motivated by anger. That is motivated by not wanting to talk about some of the stuff that happened to me in that relationship. So anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. Moving on. <laughs> that's unrelated. So um, that was my first coming out story. Uh, did you have any questions or anything? on that or did you want to give your next one no mine actually relates pretty well to yours uh in oh, fact cool. i had wished that i had done um i wish i had done something like bringing a person along i actually invited my partner at the time to come uh when i told my parent um this i mean that was the next person i came out to um i told you after i knew that i was trans it was like two weeks um i brought them out and said, I want to go out to dinner. Actually, they, they came to me and was like, hey, it's been a while. Uh, I want to go out and have dinner with y'all. I was like, okay, we can do this. And so I picked a place that I knew was going to be pretty packed. Um, I knew it was close to my house if I needed it. Um, and had a pretty good presence because I didn't know what their reaction was going to be. Um, they, it is a very hard thing to gauge what you think someone's reaction is going to be whenever nothing of the sort has ever happened to them ever. Mm -hmm. um, I invited my partner along and they said, no, this is a mother-daughter talk. You need to go and do that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but we went out. We picked, I, I picked the restaurant. Um, and I met them outside and said, like, yeah, no, they aren't feeling well. We're going to go inside and get our food. And then an hour or so after we got our food, after I had eaten at least half of it, <laughs> so I know that I was at least not going home hungry uh, and wasting money, um, I just kind of told them that similar process. I've, I've been doing it from a, a really logical standpoint, if you, or, I guess a timeline standpoint might be a better way to go about it. And I always started with, you know that I've been going through depression for X amount of years, 20 years, whatever years. Um, and that it's gotten to the point of suicidal ideations and troubles. And especially with my mother, um, she took me to therapy as a kid. And I mean like preteen kid and then post-teen kid. Um, and we talked and talked and talked to a bunch of counselors, a bunch of therapists. They took me to the doctor, did blood tests. 
um, and they literally said there is no clinical reason that this person should be feeling this way. We do not know what's going on. Their chemistry is totally fine. Uh, uh, the counselors that I went to were like, well, the closest thing we can find is um, a self-esteem issue or maybe body dysmorphia, but I didn't suffer from any of the typical disorders like bulimia or anorexia. I'm just a skinny kid because of what I know now uh, is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, but it's not easily to diagnose and not a common enough thing for people to just know about and say, oh, you have that. It's like saying you have arthritis, except nobody knows what arthritis is, you know. Um, and so I spent all my life just pretty much feeling like I was broken. Like, the, I am so busted, the doctors don't even know what's wrong. And that played into the self-esteem thing, and it really hurt. And so I started with that whole history of saying, hey, I finally found what the answer is. And I went through a whole bunch of experiments and testing and trying this thing and trying that thing. Uh, and what all this comes out to, I obviously was a little more detailed on this talk with them about what I've tried. Um, but the whole point is, um, it came out that I have been dealing with something called gender dysphoria, which, if you know anything about it, it's a long-found disassociation from the gender you were assigned at birth versus what is in your head, uh, what is your brain chemistry makeup, and that is me telling you that I am transgender. And then I kind of let that sink in, see what the reaction is, and... I'm kind of glad that I picked a public place because they couldn't freak out. And that was kind of my point uh, of that. And I feel a little mean about that, but I don't. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not everybody's like that. Like, there's some people who they will flip a table no matter where they are. Uh, but yeah. my family is not necessarily like that. Uh, I can think of one or two people who are. Um, but I know my mother's not. Uh, so she was very upset, very scared, and she felt like, she she told me later that she felt like literally the entire restaurant was listening in and staring and judging us, and I was like, I didn't really care about them, though. <laughs> I came here to talk to you. That's um, why I've never done it in public. That would be my fear. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I have a really big sense of lost in the crowd, and anonymity, mm. if that's the word. Not seeing yeah. me. But uh, I have a really big feeling of everybody else is so involved with their own lives and conversations and food that they're not going to listen to me. Um, especially if I'm not acting weird, but yeah, she started acting weird. So it didn't, it didn't really work. Uh, we had some conversation. She was like, okay, is your partner, what, are, how are they going to do? I was like, it's fine. We're working through this. You know, they're going to stick by and help me through this transition, going through the goals, figuring things out. Um, well, what about medicine? I started on medicine. Uh, I'm in the process of getting that assigned and I actually go in the next few weeks to get that done. Um, well, what about this? What about features? What about, and it was just a lot of, what about this? What about this? And a lot of scared pretty much was that reaction. Yeah. Uh, so that was a face to face reaction that there's probably ways that I could have done it better, but given my headspace, given the situation and the timing of it, I really think I did about as best as I could. Uh, later, after they were just like, no, I need to get out and we can talk. I was like, okay. And we paid for the food, took it out to the car, and we talked. I had some photos of how I've been, how I had been presenting, um, on my phone. Just kind of around the house, you know. 
and uh, they've told me that at th that point when I showed them the photo of me being me um, and what I like to dress as and just generally I was actually happy in that photo for the first time. Um, I showed them that and they said that was the moment that I knew that this was real and right for you because in no other photo throughout all of your life had I ever seen your eyes light up like that. And I was like, okay, we have something here. Uh, oh, that's adorable. They, they believe me and they're here to support me. They just didn't understand the whole thing. And it's been a really rough journey. There's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, but overall, I think that that was probably a good one. I think that's the last person I've come out to in person. Uh, because after that point on, I have been, if it's not, if it was not work time, I have been presenting fully female. And now I am, like, like I said, 80, 90% presenting how I need to present. Um, and there's only a very small number of people, it's even smaller now, uh, who I need to come out to. And I still don't know how to go about that task. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do think it's interesting in that story. Um, so both of our coming out to our parents conversations, you and I both chose different strategies, but for the same reason, which is you went to a public place and I brought someone with me to the conversation because like, not only does it give you confidence, but it's like, it's harder for them to freak out because there is another person here. Um, for you, it was, there's an entire restaurant full of people. Uh, and I think that's, I think that's interesting. I think th that you and I both had the same thought of needing support at a conversation with our parents. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it that plays in is where we were because, uh, you were still with him at the time and I had been independent for about two years. I'd been on my own, own job, everything. Yeah. I've been doing everything in private on my own because it's my house. I can do what the fuck I want. So. Yeah. I, it's not my house. I can't do what I want. Like, um, it's also uh, interesting that, like, I would never, ever, ever have a conversation in, in a public place of this kind unless I was legitimately concerned for my safety. Um, like, if there was a person I was going to have that I thought would, like, be violent with me, then I would have it in a public place. But I couldn't do that. I could not tell someone I was trans in a public place because... It goes back to me being a paranoid person. Um, I am very much paranoid that, like, everyone's listening. Or that, like, what I'm paranoid of is that, like, I would say I'm transgender when there's a lull in the conversation around me <laughs> so everyone hears it. Record scratch, the radio stops, a wolf howls in the distance, lightning strikes, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, I, so, I love the crowd, and... I get this is probably from my music background and playing in ensembles because the entire point of an ensemble is to blend in. Uh, and I guess that's where I feel my safety in that crowd. And in some ways, I feel totally, like, not safe. Like, don't get me wrong. I've, I've explained that story before where I was at the mall and I was in this huge crowded area, but I was being singled out. And the fact that I had attention on me that was intentional and direct was what made me feel uncomfortable. So what I did was I went out to the rest of the crowd of the mall and then got my safety back from there. Uh, so I, I yeah. really do like uh, being around in that whole just when you are a tree in a forest, nobody's going to notice kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I've had where because like I remember there's a few times I've been on dates with people. I think one in particular that sticks out where like I went on a date with a person, they knew I was trans. So I made sure the first date was public place because that was a concern. 
Um, but like, I've never told somebody I'm trans in a public place. Like I've used public places to protect my safety, but not, um, not during a coming out conversation. Yeah, so yeah. I just think that's interesting. We both had the same different strategies, but the same reason. All right. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to say about that? I story? think, I think that's everything involving that. And I think that's the last time I ever actually, I've, I've said this, but I think it's the last time I came out in person. Um, after that, I did a few more texts. Uh, my roommate in college is a really good friend of mine, but we don't talk much. Um, they were, I, I guess I've known them at this point for like 14 years. Uh, they're, they're someone who's, they're those friends who like, you go out and you hang out with them like once every three or four years and everything is exactly the same. And then you like, don't talk or text for like ever. And they're like, Hey, I'm in town. And you go out. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of friend. I texted them, and, like, their response was, cool, whatever. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I, it was almost, li- I think I literally copied and pasted the message from the first friend over there. So, uh, after that, I mm. did a letter, and that's a whole other spiel that I will get into later. Ooh, hey. Did- yeah, I can get, we can get into a letter. I, I've sent the letter. Yeah, um, tell us. I have, yeah. Well, hang on. That's not the next oh. one. Um, oh. So, there's a few more that I had face to I mean, to be fair, I've been full time for a while, <laughs> so I've I've already had all the conversations. There's no one left to come over out to here with life. her two puberties really. and successful transitions. <laughs> I try. I'm the fanciest of pants. Um, actually, no. I'm wearing pretty cheap, like eight dollar pajama pants from Walmart. So the the least fanciest of pants. But um, anyway. I had a few more face-to-face conversations. Um, I don't know if I've talked about my coming out at work story. I think I did in the story thus in our first episode. Um, But obviously I had the conversation I had at work, which was pretty straightforward. Um, And it was a coming out conversation, but like it was, it was a very like business-ized conversation because it was like... Okay, to be fair, that was my last time coming out in person, I suppose. But it's like you said, it's so business, like... It was real cut and dry. There was no emotion. There was no way that they could realistically react in a way that would cause you physical harm. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, I was I was concerned about my job because um, in Indiana you can still be fired for. um, Although I think actually they were in Marion County where I was working, so you can't be fired in Marion County. You can't be fired for um, your gender identity. They're the only county in Indiana that has that protection. Um, so I could be wrong about that, but I remember, uh, specifically I had the conversation with my boss first and then my coworkers because I wanted my boss to know, which led to conversations with HR, but that didn't feel like it, like it, it was a coming out, but it didn't have the same emotional weight as all these other coming out stories. Um, and I did mention in that episode where we talked about that, that the strategy I used there was just coming out to my boss first. I think a strategy, a common thing when you're coming out face to face is having an ally, Um, if you think the person you're talking to is going to be on your side, the coming out to them can be making an ally, I think, or bringing an ally with you so that you have someone there to help you if things go poorly. I think that in general is a very strong way to have the conversation. If you know the person is going to be supportive, you are basically making an ally for yourself. My boss I knew was going to be supportive because she's a wonderful lady, um, or she was a wonderful lady. She's not my boss anymore because the place shut down. Um, but... In general, I think that kind of conversation. So, like, when I had the conversation with my boss, I started specifically with my boss to 
establish that relationship so that the rest of coming out of the company would be easier. Um, and then getting HR involved and all that stuff. Um, other face-to-face conversations I had. Um, there's a few that I had that were technically face-to-face. And I don't remember... I may not remember a lot of these conversations. Um, there's one that I want to hit on face-to-face at the end that I'll bring up later. Um, but there's two more that I remember as face-to-face with friends. The first one was I was just hanging out playing magic with the guy. He's a good friend of mine. I'm still friends with him. Um, and I was playing magic with him and the ex who had supported me at my, who is still my fiance actually at that point. Um, and he's actually the technically fourth person I came out to because there was my ex fiance, my parents, which is two parents. So there's three and then him. Um, and I told him because I knew he was supportive. Uh, he had talked to me about being bi before. So I knew he was in the LGBT community. He's a super nice guy. Um, so we just had the conversation while we were playing magic. No one cared. It was fine. He was a great guy. I play mask um, of transition <laughs> or something ridiculous like that. I don't remember. I don't know if I've if I've done anything like that where like I told people, um, like through a game. I don't think I have. That would have been funny though. I should have thought of that. I, uh, oh my um, gosh, my D and D group <laughs> was a text message, and I literally sent out who has two thumbs and is transgender. This girl. That that was oh my God, that's that's, they're all LGBT. I was the only person who at that time oh, okay. uh, to them was not, and so it was a funny way of doing that. And so that was the only place that I that felt comfortable funny. doing that. Yeah. Um, then there was another friend that I came out to, um, which I technically didn't come out to. Um, so they knew I was trans beforehand. Um, so okay. the way that worked, this should start to show you how like this was the start of the downhill slide into shittiness that my fiance took and by the way it was a very 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 steep slide and very long um without my permission my fiance she asked later after she'd already done it told her sister um and her reasoning was i need someone to talk to who's supportive and i was like you still should have asked first but I said, okay, that's fine. Here's the problem. My sister, her sister was dating my, at the time, best friend. And if you've ever been in, like, an exclusive relationship, you know there aren't really any secrets between, like, generally speaking, my parents are this way, I'm this way. If you tell me something, my part, well, I don't know. I'm actually not this way. I don't tell people secrets unless I have permission to tell people secrets. But my... My ex-fiance's sister told my best friend because they were dating. So he knew, but I wasn't comfortable telling him yet because he he's not my best friend anymore um, for a variety of reasons. But a large one being that um, as I've grown more into being a woman and being myself and figuring myself out, I've found that the kind of friends that I like to have are the friends that I can do fun things with but that I can also tell things like we can have heart to hearts and serious conversations. The, my former best friend, you can't have a serious conversation with him. Like you can, if things are really shitty, but he is very much the kind of friend that you get together and you guys spend like six hours talking about something meaningless and the time disappears. And that's it. That's all you ever do. You just talk about meaningless stuff. Like our average conversations were like what video games we were playing, what board games we were playing next RPG sessions, that sort of stuff. 
Like, we never talked about anything serious. And so, in a friendship that is set up as, how do you tell someone something serious when you never talked about anything serious? It was a hard conversation to have, just because, like, how do you bring it up? And so what ended up happening, and this probably caused a rift between us, I will not lie. Um, he found out, like, three, four weeks after I was had told my ex-fiance, hey, I think I'm, I am actually trans. And I didn't tell him for five months. Like, literally tell him for five months. I think I told him in, like, March or April. Um, and the reason for that was, like, I'm not ready to have this conversation with you, but you found out from dating my ex-fiance's sister. So, like, you just, that's how you knew. You didn't know for me. And so he kind of felt like, why didn't you tell me when you told these other people? That sort of stuff, which I guess I kind of understand. But even when I did tell him... The conversation was like, hey, I know you already know this, but I'm trans. And he was like, oh, okay. And he got this really awkward look on his face. Like, I don't want to talk about the fact that my, you know, best bro is actually a girl. Like, and then that conversation was over. It was like a five minute conversation when I actually technically that came out to so him. so awkward. So that situation was just, it was, it was super awkward. It is the most awkward coming out conversation I've ever had in my life. It beats my boss. <laughs> it beats my second boss. Like, you know it's awkward when it's that kind of conversation. So, actually, no. I take that back. It is not... No, nah, it's not even the most awkward. Um, no, I think it is the most awkward. Um, but it's not... There's another conversation I had, which I will get to, which is the group message one. That one, I think, is the one I'm saving for the end. Because uh, that one... that The reason that one happened sucked. Um, but yeah, so... Coming out to my... One of my really good friends and my former best friend, it was one was really casual and one the conversation was casual just because there's no way to have. But like it was still face to face conversations with both of them. They were just friends. So like I was like, they're going to be fine. If they're not fine, then they're not my friends. Yeah. Yeah. That I know sort that of stuff. Feeling. Yeah. Again, I have I, I haven't actually like texted somebody like I have had that discord group message, but I don't think <laughs> I texted anybody. My, I can't think of anybody that I've texted. Most of my friends are there is a little averse a, to using messenger apps in general. I, I'm probably the only person in that group that will consistently use Discord or more recently the Facebook Messenger even. Uh, it's more so like family members that use that. Um, and, and a friend, maybe two. Um, but in general, texting is how we communicate, especially to the people that I rarely see. Um, so... Mm-hmm. me texting them is I would put that discord group kind of in that same ballpark I, uh, I'm i probably done texting coming out uh, to people because I think everybody that at this point should know like even friends that I haven't seen in a little while but I still care about and like to hang out and all that like they all are aware of the situation through texting uh, because that's how they like to communicate too I take into consideration stuff like that as best I can. Uh, my next story with a letter um, is a little bit different, and that's going to be that, that's a little different. So I'll I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I mean, do you want to get into your letter story because I'm done with mine? Those are all my face to face conversations that yeah. I remember having. <laughs> there may have been yeah, more, I but I don't remember them. Uh, this is probably my last significant coming out story. Um, so, with my family, if you are unaware, 
they are Southern Baptist, which if you don't know what that means, that means that even certain Christians think that they are a little too conservative. Um, that is my family. One of my family members is literally a pastor. The other is literally a music minister for a church. Um, and I was raised in that environment, uh, which is probably why it took me 26 years to come out and accept this kind of stuff. Um, so the letter. Um, my sister is married to, like I said, the music minister. Uh, they all live in a very, very small town. She has a ton of struggles with things like, um, anxiety disorder, uh, depression, not so much depression, but definitely anxiety disorder. I think at some point she had a bipolar disorder, but that may have been years ago. I don't know if that's been resolved. That's not something I like to pry in, and I still love her regardless. Um, but I, I knew this was a thing that was either going to be completely awful or as good as it's going to get because there was no good way of telling her. Um, with her, she prefers to know as soon as anybody else knows. Like, if I was not in a relationship, she probably would have liked to be the very first person for me to tell, even if that's not who I would like to tell first. That kind of, that that's the kind of person they are. Um, so I told them two weeks, maybe one week, after I talked to my mom. Uh, and that was just a matter of convenience. We had a party for some, uh, some kid that we were going to. Uh, friends, my nephews, nieces, and all that. I went out there, I wrote a letter, and I fretted over this thing for those two weeks since mom, uh, since coming out to my mom. I went editing, I showed it to other people, I asked them to edit it, asked them to do their best to kind of get into that headspace and react to it, and everybody was like, this is totally fine, I would love to have this. Uh, this seemed perfect, exactly what I'd expect and exactly what I'd want. I was like, okay. I'm going to print this out, and I'm going to give it to them, but the way I'm going to give it to them is I am not going to be near them when they read it. I'm going to leave it somewhere on their belongings and tell them about it when we're gone because I know what their initial reaction is going to be. And in hindsight, I think I was exactly 100% right what that reaction was going to be <laughs> uh, from what I've been told. I not got a lot of information because that is something that is still healing so to speak. Um, with my letter, I did essentially a very long form version of that same speech that I gave of this is why, here's what we found out, here's what this means, and here's what we're doing about it. Uh, with the only addition being that I, because that time sensitivity of knowing, um, I did let her know that my mom knew, but I also let her know that it was only a week before and that this is literally the earliest I could physically tell her because she's in another town uh, very small town, very conservative town. Um, and I'll admit that it's kind of a douche move what I did, <laughs> but given the reactions that I knew were going to come out, uh, she has a tendency to have these very volatile reactions to news like that. Um, not necessarily negative, sometimes it is negative, uh, but overall she has a lot of worry and anxiety that hits her like a truck and she vocalizes that as her way of dealing with it. And so it's a lot of questions, a lot of very fast, a lot of assuming certain things and asking certain things this way. And she's going to be hurt regardless of how this goes down. So 
that is part of the reason I did the letter is because I did not want to be around uh, to physically experience that because I don't think I was mentally ready for that kind of negative reaction. Uh, and from what I heard, that was pretty much what her reaction was, was a lot of anger, confusion, sadness, and uh, she called my mom and was like mad at her for not telling her, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that, that was a hard thing to hear. And our relationship is really, really rough because of it. Uh, it was probably a month after I gave that letter and after texting her, uh, she still to this day, uh, has not seen a photo of me since coming out and does not want a photo of me kind of thing. That is where we are in this state. Um, a month after that letter, wow. she asked me to meet up in a very public place, a park, because she felt she has the same feeling of me as feeling a little anonymous out in the public. Uh, and it was a place where she could let nieces and nephews go play that we know they're not going to be sitting in and listening because we can go sit at a bench that's really, really far away. Uh, so we sat down. She asked questions. She really just wanted me to talk and hear it from my own voice rather than the letter. And so I did the exact same thing. Um, and ironically, a friend I'm not out to still uh, walked up with his kid <laughs> and was like, oh, hey, dead name. <laughs> and I was, I mean, obviously I was oh having to present mail for her. And at that time, it was, I had just gotten off work. So it worked out. It wasn't a total inconvenience for me. It would have actually been a little more, bit more work for me to go home, uh, change, and then come back. So it, it was circumstance that worked out kind of thing, but. She, she let me know that she still loves me, but it's really, really hard for her to accept all this kind of stuff. And that's a relationship, a relationship that is making some forward progress, but um, it's so slow. I'm really unsure if I'm going to be invited to holidays and stuff until certain things are settled and explained. Uh, she is being proactive. She's she's talking to therapists and stuff about how to tell her kids how to deal with this part of it in her life, how to deal with that part in her life. Uh, so she's at least working on it. It's just very, very slow and very, very hard for her, given her struggles and limitations. So I'm thankful for that. It's just it's, it's like you were saying, you always have that paranoid worry of this is going to go as south as it could possibly go. And this may not have gone... 100% south, but I'm pretty positive that I'd consider that about as 90% south as it could have been anticipated, you know? Uh, yeah. So that, that was, yeah, I think that's probably been my worst coming out experience, but I think my worst one is yet to come, uh, when I have to figure out how to come out to my grandparents. So I'm worried about that one. Mm, yeah. Um, specifically talking about, actually there are several things, but going back to the whole, like the paranoid worry, I think, my conversation with my parents, it didn't go as, as bad, but I would say it was 90% as bad. Um, it took them a long time. And actually, one of the things that I forgot to mention that I was going to mention is when you said your mom seeing a picture of you um, presenting is what convinced her that this was the right thing for you. Um, the same thing kind of happened with my parents. So my after coming out to my parents, my parents like didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to hear about it. They didn't like the therapist I was going to, all of that stuff for, you know, over a year. Um, but when they saw me present female and how much happier it made me, it was like a light bulb went off. Like, my mom almost instantly turned around. Um, and 
I went full time a week later and it took my dad a little bit, but like even eventually after like a month, my dad, I could tell he came around because he switched from using, he, he used to call me son and all that stuff a lot. And like those kind of like male gendered, um, like words to refer to a child, he used those a lot as his like kind of like reminding you he loves you words. And then when I started presenting full time, he just stopped using any words like that. But then a month or two later, he started saying like sweetie and sweetheart and all the stuff that he says to my sister. And so it was like them seeing me happy presenting full time convinced them. And so, yeah. So uh, I also had that experience where like them seeing me with like the light, the quote unquote light in my eye and my eyes lit up and that sort of stuff um, was the final convincing factor in that sense. I wish I'd gone full time earlier. I, there's a lot of reasons I wish I'd gone full time earlier. Um, but, um, that one, like my parents had the same reaction. It just took them longer because they didn't really, I didn't even try presenting female for a long time. Um, One of the biggest hangups with my family is always the religious aspect. And I'm not, I'm not going to talk about what my religious views are. Those are always private to me and anybody who I am comfortable enough mm -hmm. talking about them with, but uh, they are, like I said, even for other Christians, they are considered uber conservative. Uh, and so that has been a really big hang up yeah. in a lot of my coming out. And that's probably where I'm going to see the most pushback uh, with my grandparents. But I think the best thing is that uh, they've even been able to look past that part of it and are actively working uh, so that they can still yeah. you know, interact with me and love me and have a life with me, even if this does counteract some of the things that they've been uh, been taught and been kind of believing themselves and they're having a, it's always a different story when it directly affects your life, you know? So, um, yeah, my, uh, my parents were the same way or would have been the same way if not for my brother. They were the same way when my brother came out as gay because they were like, this goes against our religious beliefs and they struggled with that. But I think, like one of the things I talked to my parents about is if my brother had not come out before me, they would not have handled my coming out as well as they did. Um, like, cause as much as they struggled with it, they didn't struggle with it nearly as much as they did with my brother. Cause they'd already gotten past the hurdle of LGBT child versus my religion. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I got lucky in that regard. <laughs> not to say my brother made my life easier, but he kind of did. <laughs> Who wants to say their sibling um, made their life easier? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, anyway, so uh, was there anything you wanted to say about that letter story? Anything I think, else? I think that's everything. I think that wraps up everything I have to say about coming out, or at least what okay. my experiences has been. I have three left. I technically have four left. Um, two of them, one of them is really quick. Um, I didn't talk about coming out to my brother or sister because my parents technically did that for me. Um, my parents asked if they could tell my brother and I said, sure. I, cause I w- didn't want to have that conversation yet, but they didn't want to, they wanted to talk to my brother about it. I don't remember why they literally talked to my brother that next morning. And I had a conversation with my two parents and my brother that afternoon. So the very next, next day, um, I don't remember much of that conversation. My brother is very supportive. He's a great guy. Um, he's heavily involved in the LGBT community. So he was, he didn't mind at all. Um, although he did at one point say, I'll miss, I'll miss my brother, but I'll, I'm excited to meet you. Um, which was super sweet. Uh, they also told my sister, 
but they didn't tell me they told my sister. I think uh, the way it happened was my mom messed up and let it slip and told my sister. Originally, we waited on telling my sister because at the time that I came out as trans, my sister was going through a very, very, very messy divorce. She was dealing with severe bipolar disorder. Um, she had a lot of problems that she was dealing with at the time that I came out. And so we were like, we're not going to tell her yet because she's not emotionally ready to handle it. Um, so I actually didn't tell my sister I was trans. I came out as trans to my parents in December of 2015. I told my sister in February of 2017. Um, so a year and four months after I came out to my parents is when my sister found out from me that I was trans. But my mom had told her at some point previously, I don't know when. And so when I told my sister, her reaction was, oh yeah, mom told me I've always wanted a sister. That's cool. Um, like that was her reaction. So my sister was great. Yeah. Um, both my siblings were phenomenal. I've had um, that experience of family telling family and then not telling you they told them. That, yeah. that just me nuts. If you're listening, don't do that. That's not okay. Don't do that. Ask, don't do that. Never like, do that. No, there's a lot of people, and I had a friend do that to their parents, who I don't care, it's their parents, and I don't ever see them, but that was like, that hurt a little bit, like, and yeah. also their reaction was very, very, very negative and rude, mm. so that was, and I found out that they told them, and that was their reaction through somebody else uh, that I'm friends with and was out to, that uh, had yeah. talked to them about it, so. As a general rule of thumb, it's my opinion that it's okay if they ask you first. Yes. Like, if if they say, hey, we want to tell this person, and you say, go for it, Yeah. that's okay Obviously, to me. Obviously, but, but I didn't tell anybody it was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I still feel like you should be asked. So if you are someone who is in the life of a trans person listening to this for more information, don't do that. Ask first. Don't do that. I should get a shirt. Yes. Don't we do should. that. Finger guns. Uh, with finger guns. Finger guns, don't do that. <laughs> Anyway, um, so last three stories. Um, um, last three stories for me are, um, so I told that I wanted to tell one more technical coming out story, uh, which was when I came out to the boss of my current position. Um, this is another face-to-face -face one, and it only happened, I only told him for one reason. Um, but basically, uh, this is a reason why you should get your stuff on your resume updated fun fact spoiler so at this point i'd been full-time since march of 2017 i was interviewing for a new job because my workplace was closing down i was interviewing and it was september of 2017 so i'd been full-time for six months at this point um and being oh there's one other one i forgot shoot i'll come back to that one so being full-time for six months um, I was, uh, very much, um, like at this point I, I, I felt I was to the point where like, I didn't really wear makeup anymore. I, I, I mentioned this, I've been very lucky in the sense that I've never been clocked, um, ever. Um, every time I've ever told somebody I am trans, they have been surprised. Um, so I have been very lucky with how I look, not, you know, affecting my daily life. Um, so when I was talking to my boss for this interview, who is my current boss, we got to the point where the conversation had gone great. Um, for perspective, I'd applied to this job on a, on a Wednesday. The, my boss had called me on a Thursday and he tried to offer me the job over the phone. Um, because he was like, you are so overqualified that the fact you applied for this job, I just want to get you hired as fast as possible because you're overqualified. Um, 
So I still was like, I want to have an interview. I was the one who wanted to have an interview because I wanted to know what he was like before accepting the yeah, job. Yeah, that seems a little um, risky to go in and be like, okay, and then, like, what if they are, yeah. like, the worst human ever? Yeah, which, by the way, my boss is, like, the nicest guy in the world. He is so nice. He delayed firing a guy who... He delayed, like, six months firing a guy who was literally playing video games on the job because he was he didn't want to fire the guy. He's so nice. He is the nicest guy around. Um, so I, I went in for the interview on a Friday. So, again, applied Wednesday, call Thursday, interview Friday was the timeline on this job. Um, so I go in for the interview on Friday, and the conversation goes great. He shows me the job. He shows me, you know, what the company is about, what they're doing, tells me what my responsibilities would be, all that stuff. And we get to the end and we're talking about it. And I said, okay, so here's on my resume. You need to know this. If you go look me up at IUPUI to try and verify my college degree, you will not find me because my degree is under dead name. And that was when I told him I was trans. And he was just like, he had no idea that I was trans. And he was like, oh, okay. And he said, I don't care that you're trans so long as it doesn't affect your work. And I said, it won't. I wouldn't tell you if it wasn't part of my resume. Um... And that was it. So it was a super short conversation. It was just fun factoid. Um, so I did have that conversation with that boss. So my boss knows I'm trans, which is a good thing because he also had to know when he hired me that I would be taking six weeks off at some point for SRS. So he needed that too. Um, last actual like coming out in person conversation was actually with my niece. This is the one that I forgot about. Um, I have a seven-year-old niece who lives with my parents. So... Um, Currently, I live with my parents all the time. My sister lives with my parents all the time because she moved back after her divorce. And my sister has a seven-year-old niece. At the time, six years old. Um, so when I came out and went full-time, one of the conversations that had to happen was with her, um, which like I hadn't really considered. Um, I didn't actually have that conversation. My sister did. I told my sister I wanted her to do it because it's her kid. And I was like, you should have this conversation because it's her uncle becoming her aunt. Um, and the reaction, the reason I wanted to mention this, the reaction from my niece was, my niece said, I'm scared. This is weird. I don't understand this. Um, that was her reaction. She was scared. Um, so when I got home that day, because they told her, um, the day I went full time at work, I, I get up way, I was getting up way before my niece. Um, so I was out the door, but I was presenting female for the first time at work. So obviously when I came home, I would still be presenting female because I came home from work. Um, so they had the conversation with my niece while I was away at work because this was, uh, my niece was I think on spring break or something, but she was home. So they had the conversation with my niece. So then when I came home, my sister had told me over text that my, that my niece was scared. And so when I came home, my niece was acting like, like she was peeking around corners and not looking at me. And I was just like, I don't. She was like, why are you, I, I asked her, why are you scared? And she said, well, I don't know you. And I said, what do you mean? I'm the same person. I'm just female now. And literally like within 10 minutes, as soon as she saw, because then I did the thing, uh, there's a thing I do with her, which is I boop her. Um, so I will poke her somewhere like on her head or something and say boop. And then she will get really excited and try and boop me back. Um, and we get in like that boop wars adorable. back and forth. And that's B-O-O-P, by the way. <laughs> so uh we so literally like we had that conversation then i did that to her and i just went boop uh and instantly she was like okay same person i get this this is cool we're fine literally like 10 minutes and she was golden 
Um, so that was the other like physical, like in-person conversation that I had. That's most, that's, I think all of the important ones. So finally I can get to the story that Aaron's letter story reminded me of, which is my letter story. And my letter story is way different uh, because my letter story was a mass letter. Um, I sent a letter to every person in my extended family. Same letter, same wording. I still have it somewhere, I think. Um, it just basically explained, like, I am trans. I've been out since, you know, March. This was... So the reason this happened is we were getting together to celebrate Easter. And I was full-time at work, and I straight up told my parents, I'm like, I am never going back to presenting males. So at Easter, I will be female. Um, and they wanted to tell the extended family, which I did too, because I was like, I don't want to go to Easter and be like, surprise, <laughs> guess who's female no, no, no. now? You need to do that, but you need to do it by busting out of a giant paper mache egg <laughs> in a rabbit suit. <laughs> and then you take off the and rabbit when suit. You do, and when you do, you have to be holding a bunch of balloons that say surprise, yes. it's a, or congratulations, yes. it's a girl. Um, anyway... <laughs> So I got out of my, or not got out. God, I got off track because of your egg thing. Gah. Anyway, um, so about three weeks before Easter, I composed and sent a letter that explained I was full, I was transgender and I was full time. And I sent that out to all of my extended family. Hand signed it, all that stuff. Um, I got next to no reactions from that, except for one, which is at Easter, so everyone knew ahead of time. The nice thing was, when I walked in, I got a few looks, because people were like, what she look like? Um, but it wasn't any weird looks. It wasn't like, who the heck is this person? It was clear that like everyone there had read my letter. Um, but there, one reaction did come out, out of that, which was my aunt. So uh, maybe 30 minutes into the celebration, the party, whatever... I'm just sitting at the table, like, scrolling through, I think it was Reddit, uh, on my phone, because I was bored out of my mind. Um, and my aunt came up to me, and all she did was she put her hand on my shoulder, and she looked at me intently, and she said, are you happy? And I said, yes, I'm very happy. And she said, then I am happy too. And that was, Aww. that was the conversation. That was the only conversation that came out of my extended family about me being trans because of the letter. So, my letter story, like... That was it. It was the easiest way to come out I've ever... Like, that was so easy. I think I'm going to go ahead and employ um, that with my grandparents and my my kind of estranged family. You know, my dad's side. My parents split when I was young. Mm -hmm. But gosh, I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know the best yeah, way to do I that. Could let so. you, I could let you read mine if you wanted to read it. Um, but I think the, the mass letter strategy is useful for people that, like... Their reactions don't matter to your day-to-day -day life. They just matter at family events. Because, um, like, none of my extended family, if they had reacted poorly, it would have mattered. It just would mean I'm not going to family events, which isn't that... Like, family events aren't, aren't like, amazing. Like, the food's really good. my parents have them, like, every three days, I swear. It's like, oh, I wow. talked to this person yeah. once when I was at a gas station, and now I need to go to their funeral, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Like, I like seeing my family, but um, if they told me they didn't want me around, it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It would suck. It would, like, it would mess with my self-esteem, but um, I'd eventually get over it. Um, so I think the mass letter strategy works really well there. Um, I think, like, it's a little too impersonal um, if you're having a conversation with, like, someone you live with, like your parents, that sort of stuff, uh, the people who are very close to you. 
But I think that one was like the right way to go with that situation. Um, so last one, the one that I've been hinting at also, I like how he said this episode would be short and here we are. <laughs> um, so last one for me, uh, is the way I came out to my RPG group. Um, cause this one was not fun. Uh, I still have the conversation. I can still find it cause it's still pinned in my server. I run a custom, I run my own discord server for my RPG group. There's only three or four of us. Um, we started playing together in college, um, and we played together all throughout college. We started my second semester of freshman year, and we stopped when we graduated. Um, so we grew very close, and we played a lot of games together. We started a Discord server so we could keep playing games together online after we all went our own separate ways. And we were playing an RPG, and I'd had a really shitty dysphoria day. This was before I was presenting full-time. This was, like, January of 2017, so we're, like, two months away from me going full-time. And I was really deeply depressed in a very dark place, and I was not having a good day. And during that conversation, during that game, somebody made the joke of, well, I sexually identify, or, like, I identify as an attack helicopter. That joke. Which pissed Mm -hmm. me off. And in general, that session had not gone good. I already wanted to, like, beat people's faces in. That joke almost made me, like, insta-log off and just go to bed. Because it was, it, it seriously pissed me off with the, the emotional state I was in. And at that point when I got offline, like, I got offline and I was very upset. And I, I knew they could tell because I kind of went off on them. Like, I didn't go off on them about the joke, but I got very pissed off in voice chat. And it was very obvious that I was pissed off. So I got offline and I cooled off for a few minutes. And I was like, okay, they need to know why I'm pissed off. Because normally I wouldn't have reacted like that. And so I wrote out this long message and the message was basically like, you need to understand why I was upset. And this is the reason I was upset is my fault, not yours. And you should understand it's because I set myself up for this. And I basically went out and then I I explained like why I was like, I'm upset because of this, this, and this. And then I said, all of these are upsetting me because I'm transgender. So I came out in text on a discord server to a bunch of people and I kept going. Uh, It was a very long series of messages and stuff. Their reactions were great. The person who made the joke immediately apologized um, and said it wouldn't happen again. Everyone else was like, we had no idea you were trans. You should have told us. And I was like, yeah, but obviously I didn't because reasons. Um, and all in all, the, the the thing went great. But like having to tell people you're trans because you are you want to apologize for being upset and explain why you're being upset, not the best way to come out. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. But... In the end, it ended up working out. Um, I don't think you should ever use a group message like Discord to come out as trans to friends. I only did it because that was like in response to what happened. I don't, I do not, do not recommend that strategy. Don't, don't do that. Um, that being said, mass coming out can be useful. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say about the Discord story before I say like the last bit? Because this is a short bit. Um, no, yeah. I think I think the way that you're going to come out to people is really dependent on what your main source of communication with them is. Yeah. Um, I could see people coming out on Discord provided they use it like it's a messenger app or a phone yeah, that's true. call or something. I was specifically thinking like a mass conversation in Discord. Yeah, and for that, as a mass thing, like I would I'd expect Facebook. Like I see tons of people who go out and be like, Yeah, I came out on Facebook. It's I was yeah, getting done. I came out on Facebook. 
Yeah, and I'm moving towards that. So. Yeah. Um, and I don't even use Facebook, which part of it is the dysphoria reason. So Yeah. So actually then, so the last thing I'll say coming out on Facebook, um, I'm very heavily involved in the furry community. Um, I used to have two fur- Facebooks, one for my furry stuff and one for my, you know, actual day-to-day life. Um, ever since I came out, my day-to-day life has been absorbed into the furry one. And so it's just all the same conglomerate of mess. Spoiler alert, if you follow me on Twitter, you will probably see some furry shit because I, I tweet furry stuff. So, spoiler alert, maybe you can subscribe to the network. And if you like furry stuff, maybe subscribe and follow me. I don't mind. Um, but I came out on Facebook twice. The first time I came out on Facebook was on my furry Facebook. This was maybe a month after I'd figured out I was trans. I came out on Facebook to the furry community at large because the furry community is incredibly supportive. Um, It's full of LGBT people. It's primarily gay males. Um, Being trans is a thing that happens a lot. I've I've met the majority of trans people I have met in person. I've met in the furry fandom. Um, and just in general, like it's, it's a very accepting community. So coming out on Facebook, um, as trans, like I was literally met with a wave of people saying like, that's awesome. Congratulations. I'm so happy you figured this out. All that stuff. Um, I met a ton of support. So coming out on Facebook can be useful. The second time I came out on Facebook was because I was announcing that I'm shutting down my male Facebook. Cause at that point, then I had a female and a male Facebook. Um, that one was more of just like, hey, if you still want to be friends with me, I'm over here now. Because um, at that point, like, I'd completely forgotten I still had a male Facebook. So I came out on Facebook because I was like, I need to shut this thing down. Um, and that one, like, everyone was just like, oh, hey, cool. And went and made friends with me. I reconnected with a few people I hadn't talked to who I think were like, I got hit on by a few people who I used to know in high school. Because I'm like, at that point, I was, I, I feel like I looked very good and my Facebook profile was very flattering. Uh, and so, like, people were like, whoa, you're a pretty girl now. We'll hit on. 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> so, but both of my Facebook coming outs were just like, hey, this is a thing. And they were very impersonal. Like, I wouldn't use Facebook to come out to, like, IRL friends. But if there are people you talk with on Facebook, use Facebook friends. Um, I think the more I talk, the more I think you're right, Aaron. You come out to people using the method that you are, that you talk to them normally. Um, so I think that's right. I think that's the right strategy to use. That's all I've got. That's all my coming out stories. Sorry that took so long. Good God, this is a long episode. Yep. (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that about wraps up every one of our coming out experiences in one way or another. Uh, Do we want to focus on what our really silly thing is? Yeah, we'll probably shorten this discussion, but it's a Mm -hmm. discussion we should have, which is our number one anime. Um, so I... Mine's really easy. I have a lot of anime that I like, but do you want to start? Sure. Um, I could go for my easy a- answer and say the one that like everybody has probably already watched. Uh, my number one anime that I will keep up with almost religiously is um, My Hero Academia, but I'm not going to talk about that one because everybody knows that it's being gushed over a thousand times, and the one that nobody talks about that I absolutely love um, is called Shirobako. Shiro Bako uh, is the West Texan way of pronouncing that, but it's Shiro Bako. Um, it is an ensemble-ish slice-of-life anime uh, to an extent about the production of anime. And it's really, really cute, and it goes through the entire process. You really follow one girl more than the other four, 
but they all represent some part of the industry and our main uh, person is production direction kind of thing and you see what it takes to go through uh, making a hit anime or uh, turning out a thing that should be a hit and it being a flop uh, and how you recover from that and the struggles that people go through on deadlines, uh, depending on certain people for things that don't get done. Uh, for instance, there's a moment where they outsource their in-between frames. For those who don't know, they will draw a keyframe and then another keyframe, and then there's motion that happens between those two, and they'll usually outsource because it passes by in a 30th of a second. You're not going to see that, but it is important, so they'll hire other people. Uh, there's a time in there where they do that, just like normal, with the studio who is new but promising, and it just flat out doesn't get done, and then it gets rushed the day before, and it looks like people are melting. Uh, and it talks about the technical processes of every aspect, including sound design, CG, and I could gush all day about this, but it's super cute. It has some fun anime-esque magic stuff in it that is just their imagination. Um, I highly recommend everybody go out. It's on Crunchyroll. It's... 24 episodes long go watch nice. it nice i need to watch that it is in my watch list um there's a lot of anime that i really want to talk about because there's a lot of anime that i say that i would say are like required watching um my hero academia is a big one i'm with aaron on that 100 percent. you should be watching that if you like anime um there's also uh food wars is super good um aaron you got me to finally watch that and i adore it um so Food Wars is a really good one. Um, My Hero Academia, by the way, superhero anime. If you like superheroes, you'll like My Hero Academia. It's amazing. There's more to it than that, but go watch it. Uh, Food Wars, it's a cooking anime. If you like cooking competitions in anime, this show is amazing. And as someone who watches Cutthroat Kitchen, this is up my alley. Um, there's a few others that I really want to hit on. There's one that I'm going to talk about more than the others, uh, which I'll get to. is my actual number one. But um, you really, really, really should watch Death Note if you never have. Death Note is incredible. Um, it's it's a investigation story where you already know who the bad guy is because the bad guy is the main character. Watch it with the um, mindset of being an edgy emo teenager from 2006, okay? Because there's I don't even there's moments in it that are just cringe tastic, and you have to understand that's the mindset. <laughs> I don't even know if you have to though, because there's a lot that that show does right to get like like it nails tense moments. Granted, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I think there's a lot of stuff that that show does correctly. I have recently rewatched it. It's probably like, I say recently, last year as compared to when I was 16. And it is very different from what I remember. And there's definitely some uh, dark brooding, I'm 14 and this is deep kind of moments in it. And I'm like, okay, mm, okay. yeah, I see that. I might have to, re I might have to rewatch Overall, it. Overall, it's still I a really say... good anime. Like it, has it is a really good. good stuff There's a lot of good stuff in it. And even if there are those cringe moments, I still think the show is a majority for the whole, the whole purpose of like, you are watching an anti-hero who is a serial mm -hmm. killer. Like that perspective is not something you see very often. And that story alone is worth following. The writing um, is amazing. It's really, really good. Writing is super good. Uh, also though, as perspective to color this, I rewatched Yu-Gi-Oh and I loved it. So really? <laughs> some things, some, I am, I may not, I, I have the a nostalgia. <laughs> I have, oh, it's pretty serious. Great. Anyways. Um, another one that I think is like a hundred percent required watching is Blue Exorcist. Um, That's go sad. watch that if you have not seen it. Blue Exorcist is an incredibly awesome story. It's, it's, first of all, it's like a coming of age story because you watch the main character go from being an asshole to a hero um, in a really, like, good way. 
Uh, he's an understandable asshole, understandably an asshole because he's the son of Satan. Um, and that's a little bit of a spoiler for like the first episode, but you learn that in the first episode, just so you know. Um, and the show is absolutely worth it. It's about, it's about watching a kid grow up to, he, he understandably wants to kill his dad because his dad is Satan. Um, and you, you watch like the son of Satan become an exorcist. There's a ton of cool fight scenes a hundred percent amazing go watch the show yep. the lore is cool all of it's cool it's a gorgeous show watch blue exorcist i can't recommend it enough i do have one more that i'd like to add that i just remembered and i'm not done with it yet but i think it's just as short as shirabako uh assassination classroom you may have seen some things yeah i need to start i need to keep watching that i've seen some of it it is so this is the basic plot some weird there's literally very little explanation of anything and it's one of those that you watch and you learn uh how it got set up into the situation kind of thing but some super monster genetically modified thing uh that can blow up planets with like a thought can move at mach 20 um blows up the moon like the very first frame is the moon exploding uh, into a huge crescent and then it goes to earth and says um you have one year to kill me you have one year to kill me uh or i'll do the same thing to earth and I also want a job teaching at this middle school. And when he says teaching, he means legitimate math, science, history kind of teaching. Uh, with the one condition is that this group of kids uh, is being selected by the government to be trained to murder them with special pellets that are specifically anti-whatever-this-creature is that don't hurt the kids but hurt the thing. Uh, it's super fun. It's super silly. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it, and I really recommend you guys go check it out. I've watched a a few episodes of it, um, and I I need to watch I need to watch so much more of it because it is it is a very fun like it's probably going to be the next anime I'll watch to be honest because um, I I finished um, I'm caught up with My Hero Academia and I need to watch it um, so a few others I want to call out um, before I get to my actual number one I'm gonna hurry though because um, this is a long episode um, another one that I want to call out if I can remember it, is um, if you've never watched it, I don't understand why you should definitely go watch Cowboy Bebop. It's amazing. I finished it recently. The story is awesome. Uh, you have to understand that it's a story of characters, um, not necessarily an overall plot. The journey of the characters is what matters most. Also, theme song is jazz. Jazz is great. Also, if you haven't watched it, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, that's just required watching. I'm not even going to explain it. Just go watch it. Um, Last one that I am going to talk about before I get to my main one, because uh, it's huge to me, is um, oh my god, why can I not? Why can I not? Words. I just had it. What was it? Whatever. I give up. Okay, cut that. So the last one I'm going to talk about is my actual number one. My actual number one is Kill a Kill. Um, Kill a Kill is incredible to me. Like, there is a lot that went into why I like it so much. Probably it's partially because Ryoko Matoi is amazing and I love her as a main character. Um, but also, like, it's it's a story about living clothes that give you superpowers and the consequences of that. And it's phenomenal. The, the whole show, um, the storyline, like, it wraps you in. There's a ton of twists and turns that you will not expect. And, like, they do set them up. And uh, it's another show that's really good. 
it's a really good show for multiple rewatches because there's a lot of details that they set up that the, you know are details once you've seen the show at first. Um, but the fight scenes are incredible. You need to know that it is partially a parody on anime. Um, and it's a parody in the sense that a lot of it's over the top. They do a lot of, they take a lot of anime tropes and go way over the top with them. Uh, one of them is fan service. Um, they do go over the top with fan service. That's a point of the show. They even talk about it. There are even characters who get nosebleeds while fighting because of it. Um, so it makes fun of itself as well, but it's gorgeous. It's probably the prettiest anime I've ever seen. Um, and by far my number one favorite. So Kill a Kill, I can't recommend it enough. If there is only one anime you go watch, it should be Shirobaku, Shirobaku. or Shirobako or Kill a Kill or both. Do both. There are two 24 episode series. Then after you're Shirobaku. done with both of those, go watch Blue Exorcist. Kill a Kill, Shirobako. Kill a Kill. Don't lose your way. Sorry. Okay, yeah, I, the music is great. <laughs> the music is amazing. The soundtrack is incredible. I imported it from Japan because it's so good. Uh, Kill a Kill soundtrack is awesome. Anyway, with that, I think our longest episode of Transistor Radio is over. Um, Aaron, is there anything else you wanted to say about either our really silly thing or our topic? Nope, just that I love our trans siblings. Oh, I love our trans siblings, too. So with that out of the way, uh, please, if you can, keep sending us topic ideas. Um, there's a few we've gotten that we're probably going to use um, coming up, so... Uh, if you can, send us more topic ideas to any of the links I'm about to mention in our outro. Also, please uh, give us reviews, if you can, on any of the services you use. Uh, that'll help promote our podcast and help us grow. Um, so if you like what you hear, or if you don't like what you hear, preferably, hopefully, if you like what you hear, um, review. send us a review on whatever platform you use, Apple, Spotify... No, not Spotify. We're not on Spotify. I don't know why Spotify has podcasts. I don't know why I said that. Stitcher. They actually the do. Google Play. I don't know if it has our podcast, but they do. Hmm. I should see if we're on Spotify. Anyway, long story short, after reviews, that's all I'm going to say. So this has been Transistor Radio, a Story Thus Far Network podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to talk about, please send us an email at staff at storythusfar.com with TSR or Transistor Radio in the subject line. You can also send us a tweet at our Twitter page, which is at Story Thus Far, or at our Facebook page, which is at Facebook... No, it's it's at our Facebook page page which is facebook.com slash story thus far i know how to outro and if you're like me and you can't remember anything for more than 30 seconds you can just head to www.storythusfar.com and find everything i just mentioned and even more great content thanks for listening to this episode of transistor radio we'll catch up with you next time but for now it's time for us to end transmission I'm not editing out you messing up that outro. <laughs> Don't. I think it's funny.